Leviticus 13. And you know, this last week we were uh, at the Creation Museum in the Ark Encounter with about four families from the church. And uh, we were in the pool area at the hotel, and uh, me and a couple guys were hanging out there uh, from the church. And he kind of just he kind of came up to us, and we were just kind of sitting there talking, and he was kind of just sitting there looking at us, like sizing us up, you know, the younger younger kid, but he had a family, it was a young family. And he was just looking at us, he's like, let me guess, Baptist, right? <laughs> and we're like, well, close, I guess, I, we're Calvary Chapel. And then he saw my shirt, and then he uh, started, you know, naming off a couple Calvary Chapel-like people and pastors he knew. And one thing he said really stuck to me, or stuck with me, and he just said, I love that you guys, you know, because I was telling him, yeah, we went through Genesis for a year and eight months. We went through Exodus for over a year. We're going through Leviticus, probably take a year the rate I'm going. Um, and I was just telling him that because he's like, yeah, you, I love Calvary Chapel because you guys just let the Bible speak for itself. And I love that. And I'm like, you're right. Yes, we let the Bible speak for itself. So even a random guy, right? And uh, I mean, he was a believer. He went to the Ark Encounter, but this guy just knew that we just go, let the word speak for itself, right? We don't have to add to it or take away from it. If we do, we will be accursed, Paul says. <laughs> so it's very serious, right? But we just go through it. And I was just reminded of the uh, simple fact that we just go through verse by verse. I love it. And so we're going through Leviticus, and we're in chapter 13 tonight. And remember, I'm just going to kind of give you a review. Like Leviticus has to do with holiness and with purity. It's about God setting boundaries and the people following them, those boundaries. Like it's about divine details that were to be adhered to. And so Leviticus is about cleansing what is unclean, and God instructs the children of Israel what is unclean. So leprosy, it was a serious disease, like for sure, so serious that it takes up to three chapters. I mean, 13, 14, and 15 are all about, uh, all about leprosy. 13, 14, and 15 are Leviticus. So leprosy is spoken of, of the most. It's the one single topic that's spoken of the most in Leviticus, out of any other one thing in Leviticus. So God was very particular when it came to leprosy. So chapter 13, which we're getting into tonight, describes leprosy, and chapter 14 speaks of how to cleanse it. And now one of the most powerful encounters happened between Jesus and a leper. And so we're going to talk all about sin tonight and probably next Wednesday too because chapter, <laughs> so chapter 13 is about sin, chapter 14 is about salvation, chapter 15 is about sanctity. So we're going to talk about sin tonight, but I wanted to start off on a good note because I love this encounter that happened between Jesus and the leper. It's, to me personally, it's one of the most powerful encounters in the Bible. And this, this encounter always opens my eyes to the love and the grace of Jesus. And as you guys know, as we're going through the Gospel of Luke on Sundays, uh, the first 13 chapters of Luke are all about the compassion of Jesus, and the rest of the book is about courage. And so this really shows the compassion of Jesus. And so Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 45, we're going to look at these verses for a little while. Mark chapter 1, verse 40 and 45, I'm going to read it. It says, Now a leper came to him, came to Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone 
but go your way, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. He said, however, he went out and he began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. So this leper came to Jesus, which was extremely bold. Lepers didn't do that, right? They were in their own communes, communes rotting away and dying. Lepers were outcasts, they were, you know, and society wanted nothing to do with them. They were far away, get, get away from me, because it was very contagious. And this guy was suffering, and apparently he didn't care what anyone thought. He just desperately wanted healing. He desperately wanted help. And this leper, I love what it says, he implored Jesus Basically, he was begging Jesus to make him clean, like, please make me clean. And notice, this leper said, I love this, this is a statement of faith right here, you can make me clean. Like, this shows that the leper had actually great faith. Jesus had not yet healed the leper up to this point, but this leper believed, you can make me clean. Like, he believed, you're gonna, you can do it. If anyone can do it, you can do it. And a leper could not ever get better except if they were healed by God. The most pressing need for every person on this earth is to be cleansed from sin and cleansed from a life lived for self. So how does Jesus respond to this leper? I don't have time for you. Get away from me. No, that's what the religious leaders would do. Like, stay on the other side. Stay far away from me. But first, Jesus was moved with compassion. That was his heart. He was moved with compassion for this guy. I mean, back in this day, compassion like, wasn't a natural response when it came to leprosy. Most weren't like, oh, look at that poor guy, you know. Most had condemnation for them. They saw them as saying, oh, what did they do wrong? Sinner. You know, that, that was the attitude towards them. Most didn't have compassion. They had condemnation. Most were disgusted and repulsed by lepers. In Luke 5.12, it says this man was full of leprosy. So it wasn't like the first onset, where, uh, onset where, you, where you get white patches or you maybe lose a fingertip, you know, or part of an ear. It was like he was full of leprosy, like it was bad. Meaning, you know, that's what I meant, it, it was bad, he was full of leprosy. His whole body was rotting. That's what leprosy de- uh, did, right? Today it's called Hansen's disease. But now, here's where the act of compassion is seen. So Jesus, this is crazy. No one would touch a, a leper with the ten for a pole, but Jesus... Put his hand and put his hand out and touched the leper. Now Jesus could have spoken a word from a distance, like "Whoa, stay way at least two hundred feet away from me, and I will speak a word, right? And then you will be healed." Or he could have just healed them from a different location, even a different city. But the leper came up to him. Jesus was obviously approachable, and Jesus touched the leper. It was it was against Jewish ceremonial law to touch a leper. This was a big no-no. Yet here's Jesus touching a leper, ushering in the new covenant and doing like these divine miracles, and the leper was healed. So why did Jesus tell the leper to show himself to the priest? Well, to carry out the ceremonial law regarding cleansed lepers. Like Jesus wanted to honor the law of God, but he also wanted to demonstrate to the priests that an incurable disease was cured. Like, this is only something God can do. Lepers were never healed up to this point, so the priests, they have never had to be faced with this ceremony. This was, like, new to them. They're like, what? Like, a leper was cleansed? So this ceremony being carried out, it was actually a strong witness 
that the Messiah was among them. This was the Messiah. So Leviticus 13 to 15, it deals with bodily infirmities. Why? Because God cares about our spiritual lives, for sure. But he actually also cares about our physical well-being. Like, we don't really think about that that much, right? Which we shouldn't. I mean, we should, but a little bit, right? Bodily exercise profits a little, Paul says. But it's really spiritual. That's what it's about. But remember, the children of Israel, they were in the wilderness. And he actually told them if they obeyed him, they'd be protected from diseases. That's what God told them. And I want to look at a couple of passages. Uh, One in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26 Exodus 15, 26. I'm just going to read it to you really quick. It says, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And also Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 12 to 15. Deuteronomy 7, 12 to 15. I'm going to read that. It says, Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep you with the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers. He says, And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your grain and your new wine and your oil, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flock and the land which he swore to your fathers to give you. Verse 14, you shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be a male or female barren among you, among you livestock. And the Lord, verse 15, will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but will lay them on those who hate you. So yes, our, our greatest need, right, our greatest need is the spiritual. That's number one. But our physical well-being matters too, right? And what we'll see a lot of in chapters 13, 14, and 15 is dealing with leprosy. And the definition of the word leprosy is interesting. It, it means skin disease or mildew. Mildew. How many people love mildew? That's <laughs> kind of scary stuff, right? When we get mildew, it's like, let's get that cleaned up. It's nasty, but that's their, their skin would rot, literally. Now, as we delve into leprosy, we also have to see what it symbolizes. And this is a huge thing. For that, uh, let me give you some verses on what leprosy symbolizes. Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Isaiah 1, 5, and 6. I love this verse. It says, Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there's no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and uh, putrefying sores, they have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. Mark 2.17, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I do not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So there's more parallels, but leprosy does physically what sin does spiritually. Leprosy does physically what sin does spiritually. It corrodes, it destroys, it hurts, it leads to death. I told you it's going to be an uplifting message. <laughs> it's all about sin, right? I mean, so what we will learn from these chapters is the effects of sin 
and how to deal with it. Even as we're looking at leprosy, the parallel is sin. So we can look beyond the natural, look to Jesus, and be healed. So again, a brief summary. Chapter 13 is about sin. 14, salvation. 15, sanctity. So let's pray, and then we'll get into some of these verses. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you for this time to gather together in your name. We thank you, Lord, that again, your word speaks for itself, Lord. We just pray that as we dig in, Lord, that you would... Um, just be able to put these things on our hearts, Lord, that you'd speak to us, even practically in our life situations, Lord. Uh, your word is old. It's not outdated. It's relevant for today, for right now, for what we're going through, Lord, whether mountaintop or valleys, Lord, you're so faithful, even as we sang this night, Lord. And so we just pray that you teach us from the scriptures tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, Le- uh, Leviticus chapter 13, verse 1 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, and Aaron. And when a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of the sons of the priests. The priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body, and if the hair on the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous sore. And then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin and its hair has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate the one who has the sore seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore appears to be as it was and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him another seven days. And then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day, and indeed if the sore has faded and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. He's all good. Verse 7, but if the scab should at all spread over the skin after he has been seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again. And if the priest sees the scab has indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean it is leprosy. So what this is, is just basically the examining of leprosy. Like the priest didn't make educated guesses, right? They examined a person thoroughly. And so basically the, the, the priests acted as like public health officers. They diagnosed the disease based on like clear criteria that they saw. So if the person could not be pronounced as clean, they were isolated until things changed. And so the Hebrew priests were basically the first in the ancient world to isolate people who may have infectious diseases, which is kind of cool. Like there were obviously a lot of diseases at this time, such as smallpox, scarlet fever, measles. These may start out like, and like seem and look like leprosy. So they had to quarantine to prevent the spread of these diseases among the people of Israel. So if it was thought to be leprosy, they'd separate from the community for a period of time. And this wasn't easy for the lepers because they, the family would, they would separate from everyone they knew, everyone they loved. And they would be alone in these communities, you know, rotting and dying, basically. And if it was not lepers, though, there was a chance it could not be lepers, something else that clears up, right? Then separation had to stop and they could commune and fellowship again. Now, there's a tradition that says Pharaoh, who, uh, who sought to kill Moses, we all know Pharaoh, was the first to contract leprosy and he died of it. That's what, that's what they believe. And it was first in Egypt and then spread to Syria. So Moses knew leprosy well. Remember, for he put his hand in his clothes and his hand was leprous. Remember that whole encounter? 
Like there were people struck with leprosy by the hand of God. Miriam, uh, Gehazi, King Uzziah, they were struck with leprosy. Why? Because of sin. Because of sin. And, and this was leprosy of a different nature. Like it had to do with consequences. And again, I want to be very clear on this. Like these were special cases with leprosy. Uh, but if it's not checked, you know, it's kind of like sin. If leprosy isn't checked, it can lead to corruption, just like sin. But again, these were special cases. It doesn't mean everyone with a disease, oh, you have an affliction, you're in sin. You know, that's, that's also a fallacy, right? It's not true. Like Job, remember him? <laughs> remember Job? Like he was faithful. He loved the Lord. He was walking with God. He was struggling. He was struggling with all those sores and boils and, you know, stuff he had to scrape off with part, you know, parts of uh, pots and stuff. He, it was bad, right? It was, it was nasty. He went through a lot physically. He was afflicted, but he wasn't faithless. He loved the Lord the whole time. His so-called friends, you can't really call, you can't really call them friends. I mean, they were, I, they kept just accusing him. Dude, what did you do wrong, man? Like, and he would kept saying, I, no, I'm just, I love the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm all good. Like, what do you mean? But his so-called friends kept saying, well, you must be in a tr- some horrible, atrocious, bad, terrible sin because, or well, why would this happen to you? And he's like, no, I'm not. So, but we know that was not the case. Job wasn't in some deep, dark, habitual sin. Sin entering the world brought major corruption. We know that. Brought major corrosion, brought disease, brought chaos. Before that, it was perfectly ordered. There was no chaos. There was no corrosion. It was just like, this is it. Heaven on earth right here. Yes, that's the thing. There are consequences for sin. There are. But not every affliction is because a person is in sin. We're in a fallen world. We struggle. These bodies get old and wear out, right? And we die, right? Gravity is not our friend as we get older. Like, it's just, it's just how it is, right? We just, we're, we get old. Things break down. It's, it's not always God being like, this is your consequence, you know? But here's a stark reality. Like, if sin isn't cut off, then it just gets worse, right? It just gets worse. Like, sin is like a snowball rolling down a hill. It's just going to get bigger and more dangerous. It's not good. Like, this is why when it comes to sin, we must go to the extreme to eradicate it. You know, in the Bible, there's hyperbole and simile and metaphor and all that. And when Jesus said, if, if, if it caused you to sin, cut your hand off, pluck your eye out, all that stuff. You know, and he wasn't saying physically actually do it, but he was saying, man, when it comes to sin, don't back down. Go to the extreme. It's okay in certain areas to go to the extreme, especially when it comes to sin, right? And so... This, it's kind of, like, again, like a snowball. It gains momentum and it gets bigger and more dangerous. Like the more you sin and compromise, the more dangerous it is. Not just to yourself. Remember when we looked at Jonah? We went through the book of Jonah and it was like, when Jonah was in sin, he was on that ship. And there was a big storm. And it, the storm didn't just affect Jonah, right? It affected everyone on the ship. They were all about to perish because of Jonah's sin. So what that showed us, remember, was that sin didn't just affect the sinner, it affected all the people around them. And how many of us know it's like leprosy compared to sin, it's like it affects everything and everyone. And this is why when it comes to sin, we must go to the extreme to eradicate it. Uh, You know, this group came from New Mexico. Uh, They came through the church, we fed them and everything, and, and they came and they ate. And one of the guys from the last semester 
uh, this discipleship program, um, he had a flip phone. He had a flip phone. And I, I, was, I was shocked, you know, because I was like, is that a flip phone? Like, I hadn't seen one for years, right? And he's just like, Dude. and I didn't know what to make of it. I was like, well, maybe, I don't know. Like, he couldn't afford it. I, I don't know. That's all he has. And so I was like, wow, you have a flip phone. I was like, why? He's like, I don't want to struggle with, with stuff on the internet. I was like, that's brilliant. You know? And at first, I was like, almost like, what, is, what does he have that? But when he explained it, I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And some other students had like this, this uh, thing that monitors all the stuff that you look at. So like everything I look at, like I have accountability partner, they see everything I see. I'm like, that's brilliant. They're, they're, and in a sense, I could say they're going to the extreme to not look at these horrible, sinful, abusive images, right? Sin is a faith stopper. It's a, it's a destroyer. We can't, we can't make light of sin. You know, the world makes light of sin. Oh, yeah, it's just a little sin. Oh, you, just, you did that little thing. It's fine. You get a pass for that, you know, as if they're God. You know, but it's like, no, we, it's a serious thing. Sin is a destroyer. And so, talking about leprosy, we continue on. It says in verse 9, when the leprous sore is on a person, then he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall examine him, and indeed, if the swelling on the skin is white and it has turned the hair white and there's a spot of raw flesh in the swelling, it is an old leprosy on the skin of his body. The priest shall pronounce him unclean and shall not isolate him, for he is unclean. So what this is, I love this picture because it's flesh rising. Sin results from flesh rising, right? I'm sure you guys don't expect, right? Have your flesh ever risen? Like, we are going to shed this flesh until these... You know, we're going we're gonna to have these flesh, this flesh to contend with until we die, but we will always contend with the flesh on this earth. I wish there was a time where it's like, finally, the flesh is free. Like, I just walk in the spirit naturally. You know, I wake up, and I'm just so saved. You don't even understand. Like, my, my old pastor used to always be like, every time I wake up, I just feel like I'm a heathen. Like, I feel like a sinner. I don't even feel saved. The flesh is nasty. It's bad. And it's like, and by flesh, the Bible means our worldly, ungodly desires, those things that aren't of the Lord. And let me give you some verses concerning that. There's a lot, but I'll just give you like a few. Romans 8.8 8 says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So we cannot strive to try to make God happy. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, again, I mentioned this the other week, but it's like, uh, you know, in L.A., you strive to survive. You had to. Everyone's leaving California. It's too expensive. You have to be upper class. You have to be, so you have to strive to survive. People had like four jobs just to try to pay the rent for their little apartment. And it's like crazy. But you're never going to please God in the flesh. He's not like, pat on the back, good job in your flesh. Like that seems weird, right? No, because we're not going to please God when we live according to the flesh. And one of the go-to verses for many people, is Galatians 5.16. And it really gives us a solution, right? And the Bible's not a book of just a bunch of questions, right? It's not a, some a ridiculous philosophy book. It's a book full of answers from the Lord. It says, Galatians 5.16, But I say, walk in the Spirit. And what happens if you walk in the Spirit? You will not gratify or fulfill the desires of your flesh. So there's a contrast. Are you, what are you looking at? How are you walking? How are you living? Are we walking in the Spirit? If you walk in the Spirit, you're going to have no desire to walk in the flesh, right? And so there's a contrast there that the solution is to walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, be guided by the Spirit. If not, the flesh is going to take over. And, you know, the flesh, giving into the flesh, 
may, may gratify for like a very short time, but then it's over in guilt and everything else, and it makes everything worse. But walk in the Spirit, and you will fulfill those desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.24 says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And again, I wish this was like a one-time thing. Jesus was crucified one time, right? And that cross shows that our sin nature is forgiven, and the blood shows that the actual actions of sin are forgiven. But for us, it's not just like, a, okay, I'm crucified with Christ, not going to walk in the flesh anymore. That would be, again, that would be great. That'd be easy. It's like, no big deal. You know, I'm not even, but the fact is we're still in these bodies of flesh. The enemy's still there to speak lies into our minds, right? The world is still there to say, hey, don't forget that creation stuff. You don't need to be so spiritual. And so it's a daily battle. <laughs> it's a daily, you know, I mean, the war is already won. We know that. But we have these little daily battles that we contend with, Right? And it's the flesh. And uh, I don't know if I share with this with you guys. I'm going to be very transparent, but uh, I may have already. I don't know. I'm getting old, so I, fr- I say things over and over. But um, so we got to the hotel in, uh, we got to the hotel in Kentucky, right? In Kentucky. And I was exhausted. We traveled for a couple days, right? And so we got to the hotel, and right when we got out to our room, this baby, I have never heard, like, I've heard tons of babies cry. But this baby, I was like, is someone, like, murder? Like, what is going on? This baby was like, oh, my gosh. It was scary, like, almost. I was like, ah. like I can't even, I'm not even going to try to emulate it. But it was insane. I was like, and, and it was that loud in our room because they were, like, right next to us, like, right here. And I was like, oh, no way, no way. I'm going back down there. <laughs> so, and I went back down there to the, you know, nice lady behind the counter, which I think she was a Christian and stuff, and I was like, I was like, yeah, uh, do you have any other rooms available? I want to move rooms. There's a baby, and I, I can't. We got to sleep tonight. Like, I can't, I can't listen to this baby going crazy. Like, I don't know what is wrong with them. That's the reflex or something. I don't know. But, um, but she's like, let me check. Let me check. And, and she checks. Oh, I'm sorry. We're totally booked. And I was already, you know how you just like, maybe you don't know. Maybe it's just me. But you know how you like, things build up, and you're like, no way. You know, and I was like, I was getting mad. And I was like, well, when are they leaving? <laughs> And so, and so she, uh, and this is on a church trip, dude. I'm sorry. I'm just saying. I just like, the flesh is there. And so, and so she was checking for like five minutes, like figuring out, oh, they're leaving. Like it was like in two days or something. I was like, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> I was like, I, and I said something stupid. I mean, I, mean, I was like, you're not going to get a re- good review on Yelp. I said something dumb, right? And so I went back up. My wife pulled me aside because she's the spiritual, more spiritual one. And she's like, babe, babe. You're a pastor. Like they're gonna they're gonna find out. Like you're on a church trip and you're the pastor. Like what are you doing? And so after I repented, I went I went back to I went back to the lady and I was like I'm so sorry. I, we had a hard a long drive. I was exhausted. I was just frustrated. And uh, and I said I, I apologize. I repented to God and I repented to her and I gave her some money. I didn't tell my wife that, but I was like I'm so sorry. I feel bad. And so. She said, no, no, it's totally fine, it's totally fine. But I was like, the flesh, you know? And it's like, I should have shut my mouth, prayed, and I know my heart would have changed. But, but really, I mean, so it's a daily thing, right? And I love the three-word sentence that Paul said. And I, I think about this a lot, especially as we're, you know, we're on the interstate or whatever, <laughs> the kids are going crazy or whatever. Not our kids, but no, I'm kidding. You know, just crazy stuff happens. So I die daily. I mean, that's like, like I say that to myself. I, I, I have to die today, die to myself. 
die to my flesh, die to my desires, and live for the Lord. I die daily. Walk in the Spirit so you don't fulfill the desires of the flesh, right? And so, so let's move on. In verse 12 and 13, it says, And if leprosy breaks out all over the skin, and the leprosy covers all the skin of the one who has the sore from his head to his foot, wherever the priest looks, then the priest shall consider, and indeed, if the leprosy has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean when he has the sore. It has all turned white, he is clean. So covered all the skin. So again, the parallel sin, if unchecked, it takes over. It takes over. It can take over a life. Uh, I'll never forget the story of a pastor who used to be, he was an ex-heroin addict, and he had been clean and sober. And he was a pastor. He was clean and sober, had his own church, went on a plane uh, after, I think, 12 or 13 years of being sober and just walking with the Lord strongly. And, and he went on a plane, and he's like, he was by himself on a ministry trip. And so he's like, ah, I'm just going to get like, let's get one drink. I'll be fine, you know. And so he got that one drink and then another. There's no one there that he knew. So it was like, and another. And by the time he got, you know, he got off the plane and he, fa- he called his dealer. And he, he found uh, a dealer that would sell him heroin. And he went to his hotel, shot up, and died. And it was like that one little thing. And to him, it was a little thing. I, I could do that. You know, I know. I'll be fine. I'll be strong enough. Take heed lest you fall, right? And it led to his death, his demise. It's so sad. Sin, if it's unchecked, it takes over. And I think we, we just, we so, if we make light of sin, we're not, <laughs> we're not walking in the right way. It's like a serious thing. It needs to be exposed. It needs to be dealt with. If not, confusion and pain will result. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm tired of like these pastors who are just falling into sin, have secret lives for decades. And it's like, you find out, you're like, what? We have to have, there has to be accountability, right? We need each other. This is one of the reasons why God created us for himself, but he also created us for one another. We need accountability or else we, no one's strong by themselves. That's how God created it. He's not like, you're, there's one person in every city that's strong enough, but no, it's like we're all in this together. We need that accountability. I mean, I have like a pastor group I meet with every Thursday, a discipleship group with, with senior pastors, seven of them in different parts of the U.S., and we get together, we go over the Word, we pray together, we talk about ministry and life and personally and what's going on, and we need that, like, right? We need that in order to stay connected and have accountability. We need someone to be like, hey, man, I totally failed, I suck, uh, you know, pray for me. Or I'm about to give in to temptation, so please, you know, pray for me, give me some scripture, I need some encouragement. We need that. If, you know, sin, if unchecked, it will take over. And it won't just take over you, it'll take over your family, it'll take over your job, it'll affect everything. So, verse 14, just a few more verses, definitely not finishing this chapter tonight. Verse 14, but when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him to be unclean, for the raw flesh is unclean, it is leprosy. Or if the raw flesh changes and turns white again, he shall come to the priest. And the priest shall examine him, and indeed, if the sore has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him clean who has the sore. He is clean. So priests had to make time to make their judgments. So judgments would be uh, according to truth. And again, parallel, our sin results in judgments. You know, it's, it's not like God's grace, God's grace is awesome, it's, it's there, right? His mercies are fresh, new every morning, but, but it's not like God's grace eliminates the repercussions of our actions. 
He's not like, I'm going to forgive you and forget anything, you know, forget any repercussions. Yes, we're forgiven, even though we don't deserve it. We, we are. God's mercy and grace are available for our failures. But even still, it's a clear biblical truth that we reap what we sow. We do. Now, this should cause us to be sober-minded, aware, and alert. Like, sin is knocking at the door. It's trying to get in there, right? The enemy's trying to get a foothold. He's trying to say, did God really say not to do that? You know, yes, he did. Get away from me, you know? And so, again, man, that war is won, but we have these little battles, and we just we have to walk in the Spirit, or else we're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh, and we're going to be miserable. How many of you, I, I don't know anyone that's like gave into sin, and they're like, so much happier being in sin now. Like, I don't know any, it doesn't happen. You suppress the truth and the righteousness, and you walk that way, and it's confusing, and it's, it's uh, empty, and you end up alone, and you end up confused, because you guys, we know the truth. The truth has set us free. So like when you know the truth and you're not walking in it, that's the hardest place to be. It's easier to be an unbeliever and not even know the truth. But we know the truth. And so we're accountable to God, and we should be accountable to one another. And I'm not talking about like confession sessions in the whole church, but I'm just talking about at least one or two people you know, that yeah, you can share with and, and be real with and be like, I'm really struggling with this. But when it comes to sin... It, it should, we should be sober-minded, aware, and alert, because like leprosy, it destroys, it corrodes, it's, it's nasty, it's disgusting, and we should see it like that. The world likes to make sin look like the fruit in the garden. Like, ooh, this is it, man, this is, this is what you need, and then you do it, and you take a bite of that thing, and it's empty, and there's worms inside, and it's already rotted, so you try this other thing, and you're like, oh, well, this is it, oh, okay, and it's just like... Uh, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. And so we have to recognize that we need accountability, and it should cause us to be serious about, uh, about accountability, about connecting, about staying. That's why I like the, the men's you know, fellowship that we do once a month, because, again, like I had told you, like, the first 20 minutes, we can't just get into like, deep stuff. We're men, right? We're like, uh, guns, food, what else are we talking about? I don't know. There's like three things we always start out with the conversation with, but but then we start to get real, and we pray for each other, and what are we struggling with and stuff. But uh, uh, again, but what's th- what happens in men's group stays in men's group. Sorry, wives. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it, it's accountability with, with us to, to solidify, but we need that. Um, so we are actually going to stop there, but just a good reminder, even as we look at leprosy, the parallel is sin, and it's never good. So walk in the Spirit. Die daily. Every day, every morning, I, I would say, like, as I'm driving to work, I'm like, Lord, use me today, you know. Help me to walk in the Spirit so I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. I, I, temptations will be there. Help me to walk away from them, you know. And he's so faithful to give you the strength and the wisdom and everything you need to resolve to walk with him, right, and to be in line with, with his word, with his ways.